0: So we're starting a new series today called Know Your Why. Knowing your why is about discovering and living out your unique purpose in life. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more today as it relates to us individually Uh, But I also, like I said, want to take a little bit of time to talk about how knowing our why as a church, as a faith community, as a spiritual family is equally important as we enter this new fall season of life and ministry together. See, our, our vision statement here at Faith Covenant Church, if you've been with us for a while, is that we desire to pursue a real life together by connecting and growing, and serving in Jesus' name. And we've talked about what that means, and we've unpacked that, and we're going to spend some more time doing that in the days and in the months ahead. But I want to suggest for us this morning that, that this sentence, the, uh, the pursuing a real life together, connecting and growing and serving, and that, that has a, a vertical element, right? Connecting with God and growing in God and serving God but it also has a horizontal element that as we do that, God calls us to connect with one another and to grow in our human relationships with those around us and to learn how to serve others in Jesus' name. That that, that sentence, that vision statement is, is our best attempt to synthesize and simplify what we might call our discipleship pathway, right? How do we follow through on the commission that Jesus has given his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them and to teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded him, them, us. (laughs) Because we know that Jesus promised them and us that he is with us to the very end of the age. And so we've been talking here at Faith Covenant Church for a number of years of of recognizing that discipleship from a biblical perspective isn't a, a standalone ministry that we do as a church over here amongst also doing worship and children's ministry and student ministry and serving in the community and sending missionaries around the world. Discipleship isn't a standalone ministry. All of that is a part of discipleship. Right? So, discipleship isn't one of the things that we do, it's the one thing that we do. And all these opportunities to, to connect and to grow and to serve as part of the body of Christ in the world is, is part of that pathway of learning what it means to follow Jesus as his disciples. As we've been saying that, I've had a lot of people come up to me, and really over the last few years now, right? They're like, okay, yes. We get it. We're sold. We buy it. How how do we do that? (laughs) How do we do that? And that's the big question that I think our church and every church has to wrestle through in this postmodern 21st century non-Christian, potentially anti-Christian culture that we find ourselves in is how do we do discipleship? Well, and so beginning last summer, we, we wanted to, to try and simplify and clarify what it means for us so that we could understand why we need to choose to do what we need to do. How is God's call on our, our, our life as a church clarified in a way that gives us clear steps to move forward as a body of Christ? And so we tried to do that by simply narrowing it down to, to two simple objectives. Now, when I say simple, I don't mean easy, <laughs> But two simple clarifying objectives that can help us understand how we might be able to plan to take steps forward. Objective number one is simply that we have to get people onto that discipleship pathway with Jesus. If our job is to make disciples, then then our our, our first objective is to get people onto a discipleship pathway with Jesus. No matter whether you've been a Christian for 30 years or or you're far from God and you've never read the Bible and you don't go to church and and you're not even sure what Christianity is all about, there has to be some steps that people can take to move towards that place where they finally say yes to Jesus, become a follower of His, and step onto a a pathway of a journey with Jesus in their lives, right? I mean, that's pretty simple. It's pretty clear that that's the first objective that if we're going to make disciples, we got to know how to do that. And so to do that, we have to ask ourselves, what are the next steps that each person can take to move towards that objective? which then leads to objective number two. Once people are on the pathway of disciple with Jesus, we have to help them begin to discover and live out their sense of life purpose, their calling as followers of Jesus. And to do that, we have to recognize that it's not just something that we teach people about information. We have to help people learn how to live life differently based on what Christ has done for them in their lives. We have to develop people. We've said that discipleship is a whole life proposition. So with these two objectives, we can then begin to say, okay, what are the specific things that we as a church can dream about, imagine, begin to implement, and then follow through on that are going to have specific things that we're going to pursue that's going to try and meet each of these objectives? And then we can begin to organize ourselves around that mission. So we've begun to try and, and do that. I have a A draft of an organizational chart. Sometimes it's helpful for us to have visuals, and so we're trying to to do this. None of this is final and set in stone. It's all kind of moving and morphing, and so I'm going to walk you through this real quick just to give you an understanding of how this impacts what we think we're doing. I know it's going to be hard to read, uh, so we've actually have some uh, sections of it zoomed in, but if you look at this one, you see at the top, maybe above that Connect, Grow, Serve line, you might call that the executive leadership of our church, right? You have a lead pastor and an associate pastor on staff. We have a leadership team that that works with us to to oversee and and plan and authorize ministry. And then we have administration uh, in the office and bookkeeping and building and grounds, those kinds of things. And we have what I would call stewardship teams that serve the leadership team to to steward our property and to make sure we're being wise stewards of our finances, and and even our staff is is considered a resource of the church, so our staff relations team is kind of a stewardship team of the church, and all of that executive leadership is designed to help coordinate the function of ministry of connecting, growing, and serving in our church. So we can zoom in, I think, on that section if we have another slide. So you can see that connecting, growing, and serving is a part of these two objectives to get people onto the discipleship pathway with Jesus and to develop, to help people discover and live out their purpose as we develop people in life. And so we could very simply kind of narrow that down to kind of four categories of ministry you know, at most churches, the weekend is, is where, you know, kind of things happen. Every Sunday, or Sunday comes every week, right? And we have a worship team, and we have audio-visual teams, and we have speaking teams of people who come up and help lead worship as well as preach, and we have media and graphics and video, and I can't tell you the amount of details it takes that goes into planning every Sunday service. Right? But now, imagine that you go from what you know and what's familiar to a global pandemic, and now all of a sudden you have to do all of that digitally, and you've never done it before. (laughs) That's a huge culture shift. And so now as we think about our weekend experience, it's not only what happens here in the building on Sunday morning, but it's all those people who are at home watching with us online right now and the, the, the ways that they're connecting with families and, and neighbors and, and ministry on, on Sunday morning isn't our sole focus anymore, right? Or at least not in this building. It's, it's morphed, it's become so much bigger than we ever could have imagined. But the opportunity is so much greater than we ever could have imagined as well. And then if we're going to move people from an initial connection through a a worship service or through an online streaming service, and we're going to move them on the pathway towards Jesus, that means we have to help them find next steps to connect in relationship. And that's where the biggest gap in most churches is today, is is moving people from an experience of an event or a worship service to actually experiencing authentic Christian community and relationships in their own lives. Now imagine that that's not only something that happens here on Sunday morning, but we have to recognize that in our day and our age, that also happens online and digitally and through social media as well. And so we have to start thinking about in this last year, how do we do digital engagement? How do we engage people with electronically? How do we do online ministry? And imagine almost like we have a, an online campus that we have to manage and where people are connecting and finding their way to Jesus. How do we think about first impressions, not only when they show up here on Sunday morning, but when they go to our website or when they check out our Facebook page? There are first impressions that we have to manage because we want to be hospitable and we want, to, we want to attract people to be able to think that maybe there's something here for them, right? And so hosting our ushers and our greeters and our hospitality folks on Sunday morning have to be doubled and multiplied because we have to have online hosts and greeters and hospitality folks as well. And what does that look like and how do we do that? <laughs> and providing connection events and uh, meetup groups and opportunities for people to do tables of aid or join people's homes. And so that whole next-step ministry is a huge area of ministry that we need to be leaning into, and we know that the better we can do at creating next steps, the more likely people are going to find their way into relationship, not only with people as in our church, but ultimately with Jesus. And so then once they they say yes to Jesus, once they're connected in Christian community or in relationship, I should say, then we have to connect them in Christian community. And so we have all different kinds of relational environments that we can be planning for. We've been dreaming about how do we do discipleship groups well? And by discipleship groups, we're talking about groups of three men or three women who are meeting consistently to encourage one another in their journey with Jesus. Because we think that that's the most significant relationship that's not only going to help us be encouraged to keep moving forward, but is going to challenge us us to be real and to be honest with our struggles and create a safe place of high commitment and high trust where we all need to be able to be challenged and encouraged in our walk with Jesus. And so life groups are a part of that. Maybe you've been familiar with small groups and how we can gather in larger groups of people for similar encouragement. And then equipping groups, that whole Sunday school experience that many of us grew up in, we need to multiply that. It's not just on Sunday morning where you can take a class, but we've lear- we're have we learning that we need to be relevant to people's needs in our community. So things like Financial Peace University and Grief Share and, and, and uh, uh, ministries for women who have struggled with abuse, all of those those things are important and necessary steps to help people begin to grow in their relationship with Jesus. It's not just about giving information about the Bible, but it's giving, equipping opportunities to grow and develop as human beings in our own lives. And ultimately, as we work through that process, on the other end, we see that we are beginning to discover how God has shaped us and wired us and called us to serve others in Jesus' name. And so people can join on serving teams and they can go out in mission to our community and participate in mission around the world, ultimately discovering our own leadership and the ability for God to call us forward. You see how? So all of these things are connected on this pathway to meet these two objectives. Now, now we could dream about all the infinite ways that we could expand each of those categories because really, I've said this many times, ministry is never done because it's infinitely expandable. The the only limits that we have is our capacity and God's willingness to, to bless us, right? But we have to start with someplace focused and simple to say, well, at least we can do one thing. Here's something we can do specifically that will allow us to, to, to get a beachhead in that area so that we can begin to grow and develop from there. And so I wanted to give you the overview so you understand that as we start to say no to some things that we could do because they're good, but they're not God's best, we have to learn to say yes to what are the things that we need to do in order to build this discipleship pathway so that we can fulfill our mission to make disciples. So let me quickly go through and just cast some vision for this idea of growing as disciples as you kind of imagine this pathway, right? When we talk about growth, we talk about growing in discipleship is about discovering and living out this sense of purpose or calling that we have as a follower of Jesus. And what we understand is that in order for us to discover the very purpose of our lives, which this series that we're doing called Know Your Why is really going to continue to go deeper into is really that, that we, as we connect in Christian community, we begin to grow into a sense of our new identity in Jesus and how He has shaped us and formed us for His purposes. And that as we learn to use the abilities and the gifts that God has given us to serve others in Jesus' name, we begin to discover the very meaning and purpose for why God made us who we are and how He wants to use us to serve others. Which ultimately leads us to this idea that Christianity is really about whole life stewardship. That all that we have and all that we are, we begin to recognize, comes to us as a gift from God. And any of it can be used for His glory. So as we become wise stewards of the gift of life that God has given each one of us in Christ, we find that we begin to increase in our maturity And as we increase in our maturity, God begins to expand our capacity to serve him and to use us for his kingdom so that we become more and more of a blessing to those around us. And isn't that the original vision that the Bible gives us of faith? When God called Abraham all those centuries ago, he said, follow me and I will make you a blessing. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others and all the world will be blessed through you. Men and women, do you understand that the invitation of Jesus to be a part of the church and to participate in the mission of love to a lost and hurting world is that promise to Abraham all those centuries ago is being fulfilled and can be lived out in our life today. You are intended to be that blessing And so as we went through this last year and we got into the fall season, we began to imagine that, you know, maybe we need to make some adjustments with the staff that we have because we were in the midst of the pandemic and a lot of the usual ministries that we were uh, usually doing weren't uh, operating. But, you know, I can tell you that even though a lot of things stopped moving during the pandemic, in many ways, life and ministry became busier and more hectic than it ever was before. So we had to imagine how do we shift and adjust as a staff and as a, as a church to be able to meet all these unique and different needs. And in the process, what we discovered is that, that our own Cindy Conlin is, is pretty good at a lot of these things like digital ministry and hospitality and creating first impressions. And, and, and she had some, some passion and some interest. And we said, well, what if we started to shift some of your job description towards this next steps, connections, ministry? and she said, well, let me pray about it, right? And then Kara Harris was on a three-month sabbatical kind of through the summer and into the fall, and when she came back in the fall, we said, hey, we've been kind of playing with this idea about transitioning Cindy from children's ministry specifically towards these next step connections ministry. What would you think about maybe transitioning from just student ministry to more of a family ministry where you're overseeing birth through high school. Of course, you couldn't do that alone. That's going to take more than one person. But we want somebody to cast a vision for a discipleship pathway for families, right? Because if you go to the next slide, you'll see that family ministry... Whether Whatever age or stage it is, is the same process, it's just that at a specific stages in life, you need to tailor it specifically for the needs of that age, right? But it's the same journey that we're doing with people of those ages. So what if we had somebody who is a family ministry director who could kind of plan and oversee a journey from birth through high school at our church? What happens to a kid who grows up and goes through life, in our church? will they experience that same life development process that we've been describing? And what would that look like? And, you know, Kara came back from her sabbatical. She goes, you know, I have had a heart for that for years. That's been my vision. That's been my desire. Because, you know, she started in, in early childhood ministry, and then she, she moved to middle school ministry, and then she took over middle school and high school ministry. And so she had this experience and this passion of, of seeing kids grow and develop and become mature believers in Christ, but also become vital, intimate parts of the church today, not just the church tomorrow. And so we said, oh, God is moving us in this direction and he's given us resources and our staff to be able to do this. And so we said, let's, let's move forward. And we talked with the leadership team and they said, yes, we affirm that this really seems to be where God's leading us. So we said, let's do it. And January came and Kara was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And we went, darn, what are you doing, God. how could this this be? You just gave us this vision and this idea to move forward, and then then you you take care away. And so we've had to to slow down, we've had to become patient, we've had to say, okay, we've got to walk a different walk here. And yet all the while we have known and been assured that this direction is God's leading for our church. And so we've been trying to figure that out. And so as part of the fundraising campaign that Jeff talked about earlier, the Go Wild campaign, we were going to hire somebody to come who could be a a family ministry assistant, which, which we're not even sure what that means right now, right? But it's somebody who can help us begin to to lean into this direction that God has clearly led us to to develop a ministry of discipleship to children of all ages that mirrors and reflects the same pathway that you and I are all walking together. And so God bless Lauren. She's come to us as somebody who's excited to help us figure that out. And so she's going to be working with Cindy, who now has, you know, one foot in both worlds and is trying to navigate that while she's also continuing to be our Little Sprouts director. And we're, we're trusting God to, to bring us clarity in the right way at the right time. And at some point, our assumption is that we'll need to hire a replacement for Kara, which would be a full-time family ministry pastor. But we don't feel like we're really clear enough and ready to do that yet. So we're going we're gonna to take it in God's timing. All of this is to say that it's been a, a tough and a challenging year for us here at the church, just as it has been for each one of you. And it's been difficult for us to, to be able to trust that God is working in the midst of our pain and our suffering and our confusion, and yet we, we come today to know that, that God's timing is always perfect, and God is always faithful. And so we're going to continue to unpack and look at the why of Faith Covenant Church. But I also want to invite you in the last few minutes we have this morning to begin to think about your own why and the purpose and calling in your life and maybe even then ultimately how it relates to where God is leading us as a faith community. If you're with us in the last couple of weeks we talked about how pursuing healthy rhythms of work and rest is a part of leaning into a healthy lifestyle as Christians and that it's not the sacredness of your work that makes it holy but it's the holiness of your work that makes it sacred. And what we talked about is something that is holy, meaning in the Bible, means something that's set apart for God's glory. Right? So it doesn't matter what you do for your work, whether your work is uh, to be a homemaker or to work in an office or to work in a, in a corporation or to work as a teacher or, or, or simply the hobbies that you do, whatever you do with your hands and with your mind, or with your feet, the work that you do, you can intentionally set that apart to be used by God for his glory. And in that process of making it holy by setting it apart, it becomes sacred. Because something that is sacred is the place where heaven meets earth, right? That's what sacred means. It's a place where God's presence becomes realized, becomes manifest in the world. And when we set apart anything in our lives to be used by God for his glory, it becomes usable by God to become sacred in the world. And in this view, it's not only pastors or religious leaders that have a calling from God. Right? In Jesus, our whole lives become open to the plans and the purposes of God so that each person who is called by Jesus can find their greatest meaning and purpose because their very lives become sacred in the holiness that comes from giving it over to Christ. And so as we enter into this fall season, I want to begin to talk a little bit more about our discipleship to Jesus and the job that we have all been given by him as a church to help every person who becomes a part of our faith community to discover their unique purpose and calling in Christ, to live lives of sacred holiness on mission with Jesus. Ken Costa, in his book titled Know Your Why, Finding and Fulfilling Your Calling in Life, says very often when people talk about calling, they tend to remove the human side of the equation. They imagine that our desires, our concerns, our passions and talents are irrelevant. But the fact that our loving Father has called us to live for Him does not negate the freedom that we have in our own choices. In fact, the Bible gives us just the opposite perspective. Psalm 37.4 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, a verse like this begs the question for us this morning and in the season ahead, what are the desires of your heart? As you come before God and worship this morning, what is it that you want? What passion are you pursuing in life today? Or another way to ask the question is not what, but why. Why isn't it all, it is not only a question of passion, but it's a question of purpose, right? Why do you do what you do? Often we, we do what we do with our lives is driven by this deeper question of why. In the Greek, the word telos describes the end of something, right? As in, the ends justify the means, It's the ultimate goal or the ultimate purpose of something or someone, it's the ultimate why, it's the telos of a thing. One exercise that I've been taught that you can do is uh, to suggest that you can begin to understand your why is by simply looking at some goal that you have in life, something that you want to accomplish, something you are hoping to achieve and asking why, right? So for example, um, I want to lose 30 pounds. why? What do you mean, why? Well, I I want to be fit, and I want to be healthy. Why? What do you mean, why? Well, in order to live a long life and to be the best person I can be. Well, why? So you see how it goes. You keep asking why, and you keep seeing if there's a deeper answer, and you can get down to the foundational core why that's really driving what you do and why you want what you want. If you keep asking why until you get to that ground level, you can begin to understand yourself and your motivations and what it is that you truly desire out of life in this world, and then how all those other whys relate to the core why that's driving your life. In seeking to live a life of meaning and value and purpose in Christ, finding our passions and answering the question, what do you want? and discovering your why is actually a crucial part of being able to find our sense of calling and purpose in life. I want to wrap up for us today because we are out of time. Costa also says, rarely is that question ever answered or easily answered by most people. For most, determining what we truly want is a profound process. It is a journey of discovery that takes time to travel and that can lead us in different directions and different points in our lives. And it was true for Jesus' disciples as well, and that's where we're going to pick it up next week of looking at how Jesus pursued his disciples and began to ask them, what is it that you want? And so as we enter this season, as we seek life purpose and to know our why, I want to invite you to go on this journey with Jesus. And to explore how his call on your life might be leading you to a whole new level of why you do what you do and what he might be inviting you to do differently or to experience in a new way. And as we talk about how we grow and change as a faith community, as well, I trust and I believe that each of us are going to find a way for our why to be a part of the larger why God has called us together to be this spiritual family. In this time and in this place, I want to invite Greg and the worship team to come and join me on the platform again. And as they lead us in the closing time of worship this morning, I just want you to invite me, invite you to pray with me to invite God to continue in us what we have begun here together this morning. God, we thank you that you have invited us to discover in you not only our ultimate good. But our ultimate why. Would you give us the courage to, to go deep and to ask that question of why until we get to the foundational core level of what is motivating and driving us, of what, our really, what we really want in life and why that is? And I pray, God, that at that core we will discover your grace and your mercy to see more clearly and to see in new ways so that your calling is not only a calling to new life, but it's a calling to purpose and meaning in what you have given us to do. We ask this in Jesus' name.